there is such a stigma about vocal vocal injury mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so often it's said um that uh, well if you had a better technique you wouldn't have had that injury mm-hmm. the interesting thing yeah. about your case is that it was a single one-off event mm-hmm. that could not have been predicted and was nothing to do with your vocal technique. So it's exactly yeah. the same like you fell over on stage or a piece of equipment fell on you. Yes. Not yeah. your fault. Yes. Uh, I mm. bet you never blamed yourself for um, breaking your shoulder blade. Yeah, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the reason um, why it's so hard to process it when it happens and to deal with it in, in a safe, um, effective way. It's because before you've even received the information, your brain is berating, you're berating yourself. You're going, no, why, you know, you've, you've done something wrong. You failed. Your voice wasn't good enough. You weren't good enough. Yeah. And now this has happened. You did this. You did this thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why Mm -hmm. I didn't acknowledge the hemorrhage when it happened I didn't didn't take in that information which was so now it's so obvious but at the time I was too quick to go okay I'm I'm tired and my technique needs work you know I went down a little rabbit hole This is A Voice, a podcast with Dr. Gillian Kayes and Jeremy Fisher. This is A Voice. Hello and welcome to This is A Voice, Season 7, Episode 5. The podcast where we get vocal about voice. I'm Jeremy Fisher. And I'm Dr. Gillian Kayes. And today it's our special release for World Voice Day, entitled Your Voice Matters. And we have with us a special guest, Kate Bassett, who is a vocal surgery survivor. Yes. Welcome, Kate. Hello, Kate. And thank you Hi. for being here to share your story with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so honoured. I think people are going to be really fascinated by this mm. because it's a big topic. There's a huge fear, isn't there, about, you know, being thought to have a voice problem as a performer and the thought of even having vocal surgery at all Mm. is terrifying. Mm. And it's Mm. so wonderful to have you here to share your story about what the process is and how you dealt with it and where you are now. But before we get into the nitty gritty, yeah. tell us a bit about yourself. What's your background? What have you been doing? Yeah, Who are you? Yes. Am I? Um, well, currently I'm a freelance singer. Um, you know, I do a lot of different gigs, quite a variety of singing. Um, but my background, I trained in musical theatre. I trained at a dance college. Um, I worked on cruise ships for a number of years. So that was sort of your theatre shows on board ships um, and then sort of did lots of touring. So I've been working since 2007. Um, gosh, I had to think about that. I'm freelance now. I run a band. Um, and I'm a mum, so I sort of fit my singing around around mum life. And right. uh, yeah, that's that's my career currently. Tell us the name of your band. Oh, Gatsby's Jukebox. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you doing postmodern jukebox stuff? That's right. Yeah, we do a lot of postmodern jukebox. Um, uh, so listeners don't know that, check them out on YouTube. Um, so it's a real vintage movement and um, mm-hmm. taking your popular songs that are currently in the charts 
and giving them a jazzy spin of a different era. And we've been doing that now for about seven years, um, lots of events in the UK, sort of 1920s theme, and it's a lot of fun. It's a great sing. And, um, yeah, it's just, oh, I love I love my job. I love doing it. It's great. I mean, and the, I love the mixing of genres that happens with postmodern jukebox mm. type stuff. Mm. Love it. And mm. I was thinking back to what you were saying about your training. Um, if I remember rightly, because everybody, Katie um, has been my client for quite a long time. She's also worked with Jeremy. Mm. You went into work pretty well straight out of dance college am I right yes yeah mm-hmm. it was the summer the summer after graduation um I booked my first cruise ship and uh I just went for it you know off to sea and that that got the ball rolling and I haven't stopped which I, I you know I'm so so grateful mm. um it's been it's been wonderful mm. yeah because mm. I remember you coming to me you know with your your folder of rep from the college and going through those things in our our first lessons together. Yeah. Um, Masses and masses of experience before you hit this Mm. event. So tell us about the event. Mm. Just give us a little bit of background about the event. Mm -hmm. Um, I was on tour at the time. Um, I was doing an ABBA show that was touring most of Europe, so Germany primarily. Um, so I was out somewhere in, in far eastern Germany in a dusty theatre and we were coming to the end of the show. So we were probably two thirds of the way through and I went off stage to do a quick change. And um, during the quick change, something made me cough heavily. I wasn't sick. It came out of the blue. Um, it was a sort of a really heavy, hard cough something that really made impact um and I was probably hairspray and all the, all of the things that you're doing when you get changed bending over sort of zipping up your boots I didn't think anything of it mm-hmm. um I went back on stage to announce something you know the next song you sort of high energy announcement going into that last part of the show mm-hmm. and so it was as though mute had someone had muted my voice mm-hmm. it wasn't it was there was nothing there. There wasn't even any sort of contact or gravelly sound. It was just an instant, sudden, complete voice loss on stage. Wow. That, that's what happened. And that's Terrifying. so interesting because what subsequently happened when you got in touch with me was that neither of us really realised that that was the core event because yeah. when you were on tour you did what most people do which is you kind of adjusted and you tried to keep going and it was only after a little bit of that that you got in touch and said my voice doesn't feel quite right and I think Mm. you emailed me because you know we we, um, weren't able to even speak at that point because of the you know the connections tell me more about what you did if you don't mind in terms of you know what did you do over the next few days? Because I think this is so important for the listeners to hear. Right. So I think there was maybe two or three shows left on that particular leg of the tour. I tried to conserve my energy and, you know, just be, I guess, use my voice less in the day to day. You very helpfully sent me some videos of some SOVT mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, a tired voice. Um, mm. So I was using a bubble, you know, straw bubbling um and sort of 
I guess just trying to sort of gently get to the end of that particular leg of the tour and admittedly amidst all of that probably behaving a little bit chaotically to try and just get through those last shows um which in hindsight obviously was a very bad idea Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. how long was it from when your voice cut out completely before you could use your voice at all again um, so after before, the, but, mm. um, the initial cutout, um, I remember, um, I, I mean, <laughs> for some context, I was playing Frida um, in the show, which is actually a lower, a, a sort of a lower range than my voice naturally sits at. But I remember sort of, um, it did come back, but it was very, very low. Um, and it wasn't, you know, I was struggling. Um, so I had this sort of low voice. So I think I was just singing down the initially in that, that, in at the sort of the initial moment where it happened um and then after that point I was I guess just just maintaining and I was able to sing the show but obviously my voice sounded husky tired very craggy um you know all the things that you would expect in both speaking and singing voice that complete voice loss was sort of a moment momentary and then um yeah and then obviously I had a a bad voice quality going forward. Okay, so that's interesting. And again, very super interesting for singers and teachers to know, which is because yeah. you and I weren't able to speak because of the communication yes. issues at the time with you being on tour, mm. uh, I wasn't able to ask you and listen to your speaking voice quality. So what you're saying yeah. is your speaking voice quality wasn't normal, not just that your singing voice was low and gravelly compared with normal. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think, you know, my speaking voice, I mean, this is something we can come to later, but my Mm. speaking voice used to get more tired than it does now as a result of, you know, everything we'll talk about coming out of the injury. But, um, you know, I I guess it was was more than your, your, your average sort of what you would expect to have vocal tiredness on you know on a busy tour mm. it was more than that you know and and you're right the the travel schedule was what got in the way of me being able to talk to you and I was begging the tour manager let me please just have a, a session with my with my coach you know yeah. can you just pause just wait give me an extra hour in the morning after breakfast before we check out and uh, we couldn't get that time together and I didn't tell you that crucial bit of info as well unfortunately So one of the key issues was that you were on tour, which meant, I mean, were you travelling every day? Yes, Uh yeah. Even on days off, that would be a travel day. Um, So that was quite gruelling, yeah. I've I've done those tours, and I've done those tours around Germany, Mm. where it's a new venue every day. And that meant that that meant it was difficult for you to get together with me and have a conversation. Plus... Mm. um, as we later found out when we were prepping to do a tour, I think it was your first tour post-operatively, we talked about, you know, uh, tour bus management, warm-ups and so forth, yeah. which we might go into later. So I'm just yeah. going to backtrack. We weren't able to speak. Mm. You didn't realise the significance of the coughing and the voice disappearing immediately, and so you did what every performer tries to do, which mm. was you carried on. Yep. Yeah, yeah. At what point did you realise you needed help and that this was not going to go away? Mm. Um, 
it was when I came home and I planned planned some rest time in. So I had about nine days at home. Um, and in that nine days, I had one very small gig that I struggled to cover, which wasn't, it was very low key, sort of low pressure. And I had a recording session um, and my voice was unpredictable. It was doing things that it had never done before. You know, simple things, sirening, missing big, big parts of your range um, and it not being just a little crunchiness. It was, you know, something that was impossible to ignore pitch as well was the other unpredictable thing um I I don't have an issue with pitch so you know sometimes things were kind of coming out you'd send it one way and it would sort of go in a different direction and I was thinking what's happening you know Mm. this is strange strange Mm. happenings Mm. and these are very I mean they're they're very clear signs and they're also very unsettling they're important uh, Mm. signals and that's when you were able to get in touch with me and we said that you needed to go to a voice clinic. Um, mm. What was it like just to hear that piece of information, you need to go to a voice clinic? Mm. Was it okay? Was it terrible? Um, well, actually, I'd, if you don't mind me saying, I'd already booked to see somebody, mm. um, but I had to wait. Um, and that, that was the, the issue. So I think it's so funny because it was quite a while ago. You're sort of trying to unpack it all. But I, I, as I recall, it was sort of um, the start of March where things were going wrong and I couldn't see anyone until the 30th the end of the month mm. and that was you know when I could go um and so in that time I was sort of trying to adapt not stopping completely um and so yeah just that wait time was where we sort of came a bit unstuck I think the important thing by mm. the sound of it was that it was okay in your in your mind you were going there is something that is just not working and it's becoming unreliable and I need to go and find find out what it is yeah so you were okay to go to the voice clinic and and be scoped and sort of to see what was going on down there yeah yeah um you know I think um when you've got that pressing calendar of dates um you need you need that uh that certainty you need to find out and quick as quickly as you can and so that wasn't an issue for me but in in that wait time kind of uh letting people down kind of um trying to work around things that was that was sort of where it got muddy and messy for me and yeah yes and that's a challenging time for a professional and I think what's interesting is that a couple of years previously, you'd had a physical injury on stage, mm. hadn't you? I think you broke your collarbone yeah. or something. You, um, you know, I, remember I you fractured my a... shoulder blade. Yeah. And dis- I sound like such a treat, don't I? I'm just constantly <laughs> walking into these disasters. Um, yeah, I fractured my shoulder blade and I displaced and cracked some ribs, wow. which for a singer, you know, it, it sort of was causing some, mm. some uh, postural issues yeah. for sure. But you'd had yeah. a physical injury before, and yet my sense is this was a vocal injury, and we do know now, and we can say that you had a vocal fold hemorrhage yes. due to the coughing, the extreme mm. coughing. You were bending forward. It was dusty. You coughed violently, and very sadly, this can happen to any singer or non-singer. I I just want to pick up on this because I think Mm. this is a really important thing. There is such a stigma about vocal vocal injury. Mm. And Mm. so often it's said um, that, well, if you had a better technique, you wouldn't have had that injury. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about your case is that it was a single 
one-off event mm. that could not have been predicted and was nothing to do with your vocal technique. So it's exactly yeah. the same like you fell over on stage or a piece of equipment fell on you. Yes. Not yeah. your fault. Yes. Uh, I mm. bet you never blamed yourself for um, breaking your shoulder blade. Yeah, no, not at all. Mm -hmm. And this is this is the reason um, why it's so hard to process it when it happens and to deal with it in, in a safe, um, effective way. It's because before you've even received the information, your brain is berating you're berating yourself you're going no why you know you've you've done something wrong you failed your voice wasn't good enough you weren't good enough yeah. and now this has happened you did this you did this thing yeah. Yeah. Um, you did and this. I think that's why mm -hmm. I didn't acknowledge the hemorrhage when it happened I didn't I didn't take in that information which was so now it's so obvious but at the time I was too quick to go okay I'm I'm tired and my technique needs work, you know. I went down a little rabbit hole. Yeah, um, do you think yeah. in some way you sort of made light of it because it was hard? Well, first of all, I think it was ignorance in the sense that you genuine, genuinely yeah. didn't know that it was a cough that had caused it. Yeah. And it was yeah. only when we both backtracked for various reasons that we worked that out. Mm. Uh, and that uh, was super important because it meant that for you, it was very clear no blame, no shame. Yeah. Mm. Yes. And actually, for yeah. me as a teacher, for anyone listening who's a teacher, mm. what do you think the teacher asks themselves? Mm. Have I not looked after this singer properly? Have I not advised them properly? Is their mm. technique not as good and competent as I thought it was? Mm. Is there anything yeah. I did that led them to that place? Um, yeah. And that's why a clear diagnosis is very important. But mm. just going back to the thing about having had a physical injury for which you didn't blame yourself and a vocal injury for which you probably did in some way, what yes. was important about mindset in terms of facing up to what had happened? You know, was it hard to face up to what had happened? It was incredibly hard. Yeah. Um, I think um, it's chaotic. It, you're, a singer's mind, when they have an injury, it's chaotic. Mm. Um, and so um, oh, it, and it, there's no escaping it either because it's not just going to work. You're talking to your friends, you're talking to your partner, you're on the phone. Um, so it's um, you're facing up to it. It's across the board. Yeah. You know, it's it's a daily thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was incredibly difficult, and um, I think that that was the hardest part for me. Actually, um, you know, there was it was quite an isolating sort of in your head kind of time. Yes, I yeah. think you've said something that's really valuable, mm. which is because, as you know, I I will have shared with you, um, I hit a voice problem in my late twenties, um, and you're you're right, it's. It's there all the time. You're, you're, you're speaking to someone and your voice doesn't feel right. And then you think, yeah. oh, well, okay, shall I just do a hmm, hmm, and it doesn't feel right and it's not normal. Mm. And so you begin to build this loop of um, anxiety and fear yes. around something that quite honestly was not your fault to say nothing of how it's going to affect your career. There's fears yeah. about that. I think it's the impact as well. I mean, you, you have the mm. injury and you have the aftermath of the injury, but you also have the impact. And as you've just said, the impact is much bigger than mm. I can't now sing this show. 
The impact yeah. is I'm not sure whether I can sing any show. Plus, I'm I'm communicating with everybody with my voice all day. Or, or yeah. you know, I'm I'm constantly communicating with people, so I'm constantly aware that something is mm. not right. And that's yeah. a, that's yeah. personally as both an instrumentalist and a singer, I think that's a bigger impact on a singer than it is on an instrumentalist. I had a hand injury. I had two hand injuries mm. as a pianist. And they had an impact on my career, as in I didn't know whether I was going to have one after yeah. it, but it didn't impact my ability to carry on communicating with people. And yeah. I think that the voice injury thing is so much more intimate mm. because mm. you use it all the time. Yeah, and it's your your identity is, is at stake. Yes. Yes. You know, will my voice change permanently? Um, yes. And you, you mentioned that loop going round and round, and I, I've seen it. Um, in myself and in, in other singers uh, that you're, you know, you're test, 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 testing, testing, testing to see, is there a change? Yeah. Yeah. And that's also that you're reading the whole time. You know, you you could be asking, you know, just talking to somebody about something really basic and you're reading your voice, you're, you're, you're working out how does it feel? Mm. How does it sound? You know, it's exhausting, yes. absolutely exhausting and all consuming. Yes. Mm. And that's mm. that's what that's what the injury was for me. Yeah. 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 So you got your diagnosis. Uh, and you went to the voice clinic, and you received a lot of support and care there, didn't you? So do you yeah. want to talk a little bit about that and and, and what happened initially? Um, so the initial diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know we got that that image that we were waiting for to find out. You know what are we dealing with? Mm. And. Um, Rather traumatically, in my case, um, it was it was so bad that um, it was you don't don't look don't look it's you know it's oh. super, very bruised, yeah. um, and uh, in hindsight, I'm I'm I, I'm grateful for that. Yes, it was a shock to me at how how serious it was, but then um, we went on immediate and complete voice rest mm-hmm. for a week. Yeah, um, so don't say anything. Um, I said goodbye <laughs> to my partner. <laughs> Um, uh, and I said, see you on the other side, you know, um, but actually that was, that was great for me because it would be the, the totalness of it. Um, it, you know, there wasn't any kind of working out how much or how little I should be doing. It's just, just stop, just yeah. stop. The decision. Yes, yes. That's so interesting. The yes. decision's made for you. Yep. There's no mm. stress about, can I use my voice today? At this point, you were lucky because you weren't a mum. So you didn't have a child who was wondering why mummy wasn't communicating with them. Yep. Which yeah. I think is very, yeah. very challenging for people with small children. Yeah. I'd you, be interested to know what that's like because that's something yeah. I I wonder if, if ever I have to do this again yeah. um I think how how does one do it I mean, so if it, any it, listeners can tell me what, they, say, what their experiences I, are I think that's a lovely idea if mm. anybody is listening who has mm. had a voice problem and has had small children mm. how did you deal with that how do you cope with it mm-hmm. so let us know yeah. send them send us yeah. your comments but it must have been a mental rest for you as well which mm. is I'm not constantly testing it out and like yeah. you said, I'm not worried about if I keep on using it, will it get worse? How much can I use it? Um, yeah. It's a very clear yeah. instruction as well. Mm. It's like nothing. Yeah. Stop. Yeah, I think that the rest was physical, but for me, the the, the mental rest was mm. was it was such a huge relief. Huge. Ah, I loved. I actually really liked voice rest. <laughs> Um, it had its comical moments. Yes, <laughs> and I think uh, maybe uh, you know me. You've, you've worked with me a long time. Yeah. Maybe people that know me were like, "Oh, this is 
nice <laughs> bit quiet yeah we'll take this yeah, yeah. And, and also it means you don't have to respond to anybody you can just be silent yeah. it yeah. must be so good for anxiety levels as well and mm. that, i think that's a yeah. fascinating insight thank you for that i want to say something and that is you're given a week you were not given yes. three months. Mm-hmm. You were not given six months of not talking to somebody. It was a mm. week. And that's a that's a really great period of time because it's finite. It it feels long when you mm. first started, but it's finite. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then after the next visit, at some point, you started to have speech therapy with an excellent mm-hmm. speech therapist. And yeah. just tell us a little bit about, you know, what you were doing initially with that. Yeah. Um, so we we built up to uh, it was about six minutes an hour I was allowed to speak um, and then eight minutes and then and so on and so on and I think most that a lot of that was because obviously when you've said nothing you need mm-hmm. to go you need to go gently you can't just stop where you left off mm-hmm. um, so we we built that up gradually um, lots of work with straws. Um, SAVT. We started with the tube. Um, I was given a very narrow straw, which was the pressure was just, Um, and so we stopped that pretty quick, quickly. Um, So yeah, we did um, a lot of uh, sort of, I had a tissue and a straw and I was lifting the tissue. I don't know if you remember this, Julianne. I do, I do, Um, yes. We were stretching, stretching, stretching out the vocal folds. I mean, I've done SOVT courses with you guys, which I'm going to say I strongly recommend. Mm. But before you get into the science of it, it's just magic. You're like, this is great. How does this work? I was just Mm. doing these magical magical things that were working really really well so yeah and this was only on speaking voice initially wasn't it because I mean I know the clinicians that you were working with and uh, what we said was that you were not going to be doing any singing at all to begin with that we had to um, rehabilitate or habilitate your speaking voice first Mm. so that's correct isn't it you were doing that is correct Mm -hmm. yeah I think the first thing I sang uh, through a tube uh, was happy birthday you know yeah. we, we we were going at a real slow gentle pace mm. and uh, we talked about that confidential voice as well mm. being an arm's length away from people nothing more than that you know um, just to make sure that you weren't sort of speaking too loudly um, and so yeah it was easy gentle for nation was kind of the, mm. the mantra throughout that time and it really is about getting your vocal folds working and meeting and feeling happy again yeah and the confidential voice too which it kind of takes the vocal load off a little bit doesn't it you don't you don't need to speak too heavy yeah yeah exactly so when you and I started working together I think we did 15 or 20 minutes once we'd had the go-ahead and um, my job just for listeners was to find out what was Katie doing with the speech and language therapist? How could I follow up on it? Um, make sure that I was very clear about what she was doing and then maybe translating from speaking voice into singing on one note or singing a phrase on one note and gradually building up. And that, um, we had several short sessions, didn't we, to start to get you back into singing again? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, you know, at that point in time for me, working with you was, was, um, it was so wonderful to work with somebody that knew me from before. Yeah. 
that was such a key part for me that you could say things with knowledge because you you know it was the first time of meeting you and working through things so um you know that's something that I think I would sort of say to singers as well is is that you know try and have someone throughout your career that you you know and trust and you can work with because um when things are difficult it makes such a such a huge difference to to you um that you're you're not starting from at ground level and because i know your voice mm. and i know what your voice is normally capable of i just mm. want to drop in here because mm. this is a it's such an interesting process the whole business of, of getting back to where you were because the yeah. the the job of a speech therapist or a, a speech language pathologist is to get your your voice working again, your speaking voice working mm. again. Yeah. And the interesting yeah. thing is there's then a jump to singing because singing, whatever type of singing you do, is by definition more athletic. Mm. Yes. So you have yeah. to sustain pitch, you have to sustain a range of, a range of pitches and the yeah. tone quality becomes more important. So. Yeah there's a sort of step up from the speech therapy department whose job is to get your voice functioning again. Whereas with the singer, it's to get your singing, singing teacher, it's to get your singing back to where it was. And that's that's another step up. Mm. And my gig gig voice as well. And this is something that you and I still talk about is Mm. that um, you're not just singing. Mm. Most singers don't just sing. We have to speak. We have to speak with a high energy. Um, You have to get the crowd going, you know. Um, so you can't come in, deadly. Um, you know, so you don't want to be leaping back into action. You've got to have, um, you've got to have your person that knows your job, that knows your gig, yeah. um, and can get you ready for that. Which, yeah. like you said, is so different to just a healthy voice. Yes. Mm. Well, there's there's a whole yeah. energetic persona that comes in as well yeah, for so a performer. Yeah. We did a lot of work on that subsequently, didn't we? About you know introductions and me getting you to um, show me what were key phrases that you had to say um, and what the energy level might be. And I know we practice doing them if the crowd is quite quiet, if the crowd is noisy, um, and how you're going to manage that. Mm. But let's go from, because we got to a stage, didn't we? I mean, I think it was like the following May or something like that. um, Yeah where you were able to do some gigs again and you were singing again and and you did fine. Mm -hmm. Um, We chose gentle gigs and made sure that you were singing at a pitch range that you could easily manage. And and it it went well, didn't it? It did, yeah. I, I remember, and there was even within that time, there was even a short tour as well. I noticed improvements, even at that point, even though I wasn't, you know, as we're going to discuss, I wasn't back to normal. Um, mm. But there were definite improvements, even from pre-injury, um, mm. because we were doing some great work. You know, I was finding ways to make my voice more efficient and trusting, trusting the work that we were doing. Um, yeah, and not getting tired. With planning and pacing and lots of, gen- you know, it wasn't just I'll be full time again. You know, we had to be quite cautious about what we took on. I by the way, my husband noticed this, and this is a side. Um, I talk about we, which I love. When I talk about this process, I don't talk about me. I say we. I love, I have this team. I felt like I had a team of people with me. I'm sort of going slightly off topic, but I just caught myself doing it. That, you know, when, when we were getting myself, getting me back into gigs, it was a we job. It wasn't a me job. Yeah. And um, I just thought that was a really lovely, positive 
way that we were, we were working together at the time. Absolutely. Thank you. It takes a team. And I think what you've said about pacing mm. and timing is something that uh, I know you have learned to do within gig okay in terms of sets and how you use your voice so you know what um we call vocal loading we're really looking at your vocal loading you were much more mindful of your vocal loading instead of the trap that i think so many um particularly musical theater singers fall into which is i must give a hundred percent all the time and you had a dance training Mm -hmm. and what Mm -hmm. does dance training do everything must be 10 out of 10 Mm. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's still it's still something I'm constantly um, recalibrating all the time. You know, I've looked at videos of me in the past and I think, gosh, I want to go back in time so you could do this. You could do it better and much more, much more easily. Um, But we do. We 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 give everything. We give everything. You know, you bleed to give, you know, everything you've got to a song. And then you think, oh, I've got to do it all again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got to pace yourself. Yeah. yeah. Good, good, good. Because good. So, I know this is a place you, you have a very different mindset now. I think yeah. where we should go next, which is, so you were doing okay. Things had improved a lot. Yep. Yeah. What informed the decision? Why did you go for the vocal surgery? So, before we go any further, this feels like a good stopping point, a good pit stop on the journey. So we're going to end this episode if you want to hear more about Kate's story and particularly the whole process of going through surgery and what happened afterwards. You need to listen to the next episode. And Jeremy, can we thank Kate for allowing us to use her story as one of the units in the 12 more hours. We have a course, course. online which is called the 12, 12 more hours to better singing teaching and one of the units in it is my singer has a voice problem and Kate's case history is part of that course. And not only do you hear, we've got recordings of Kate, we've got recordings of you singing before and after surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to tell you, the, the after has to be heard. It's mm. so good. And also you have allowed us to use images of your vocal folds. So people can see the injury that you had. It's just very generous of you to allow that because it's such an important thing for singing teachers to understand that it's not the end of the world. And also, I mean, on the course, I share more about the particulars of what I did um, to help Kate, you know, get back into vocal health. And singing teachers can then understand what their job is in the post-rehab phase. Totally. And we will put a link to 12 More Hours to Better Singing Teaching in the show notes. So, Kate, until the next time, next episode, we'll see you there. Bye. This is A Voice, a podcast with Dr Gillian Kayes and Jeremy Fisher. <laughs>